Welcome back to the Sleepers Podcast. It's been a while since you've heard from us in this setting, but I'm pretty excited. I think we got a good episode tonight. Big Ten Media Day reactions, the story of our trip. Uh, and Card, I feel like the Sleepers are coming off a little bit of a high from this weekend. Definitely. I think we we earned our media tag this weekend. We had the credentials. You know what I'm saying? We were mingling with the other media. We were asking questions. We were running around with our microphones, or, even though they were fake. But we were all over the place. I think we made an impact at Media Day. And that's really all you can ask for. We made our presence known. We definitely made our presence known to players, to coaches, to media alike, I would say, and to Sleepers fans everywhere. A lot of love, a lot of interaction for us this week. But I think, honestly, the biggest reason we got that interaction was because I think we put out some pretty good stuff. We had a lot of videos. We had a lot of content that was different than other people were seeing. Um, And I think, you know, if you just followed our page, you probably got a good pulse for what it was like being there for those two days. Um, So if you haven't seen that, obviously go over to at Sleepers Media. Cart's got some stuff on our IG. We got a big thread on Twitter. You can go back to last Thursday, last Friday, scroll backwards and see all of that. Uh, And if you just want a summary, you came to the right place because we're going to give you about 50 to 60 minutes of all the stories of what happened at Big Ten Media Day. So, Cart, let's start right there. How are you feeling Thursday? Actually, no, it starts even before that. You picked me up Wednesday night. It was a big deal if we were going to get our polo shirts or not, because if we weren't going to wear the Sleepers branded polo, we had nothing Sleepers branded to wear. So I was pretty stressed about that. Came through with a buzzer beater. How are you feeling Wednesday night as we were driving to Indy? Uh, you know, I was excited, but I was also very nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. Like it was starting to set in to me that like, we're really about to be there and be able to just talk to players and coaches. And like, that's not something that I've ever done in my life, done the podcasting thing, done the interviewing, like via zoom or whatever, but like in person just wasn't really our thing. So I was nervous and excited at the same time. But once you made the play for the polos, I'm not going to lie. I felt a lot better because folks, I don't want to like hype myself up, but when we put on these polos, someone thought I was 220 pounds. Okay. We look good in the polos. They are fire. The material breathable loved everything about it. So from that point, I was okay with it. Yeah. So if you are uh, a sleepers fan, hit us up and get a polo. I got a little connect now. We can actually, we don't have these in the store. We're not planning on selling these, but if you need a little shirt to wear to a golf event or something, hit us up, slide in. We'll get you the info for a sleeper's polo. Cause car's not kidding. That was like, I swear there was just like a good luck energy to that polo. Um, and yeah, I think I, I expected to be nervous. I told you this on the way down. Like I kept waiting for this moment. Like I'm a person that deals with anxiety, especially when I'm traveling. So I was fully anticipating one, this being the event that I'm most excited for, for both my personal and professional life to happen and mix that in with like a four hour road trip and just the nerves of the event in general. Like I was firmly expecting to have some pretty severe anxiety, never really came. And that was a really overwhelming emotional experience for me because like that never happens to me. So to really just not have to struggle with that was dope. And then I did, I woke up Thursday morning nervous. We didn't sleep much Thursday. We stayed up late. We did a little preparation. We had our notepads out. We came up with the shot clock concept, by the way, if I'm assuming most people listening to this will have known what that is. The shot clock video series we did 30 seconds or so with every player that we could pull aside at media day. Um, We came up with that concept literally at like two in the morning 
Wednesday evening going into Thursday night or Thursday morning. Um, and I'm very happy we did. I thought that was one of the biggest things that set us apart. But needless to say, we didn't sleep much Thursday. Woke up, you know, 7 a.m. Thursday morning. Need to get to the arena by 8 at the latest. And I was nervous Thursday morning. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Since we're here, let's just throw it all out there. We were nervous when we woke up at 7. We did take a bourbon shot before we went to media day. Okay, we needed to take the edge off. It is what it is. If I could have brought a water bottle with me to take the edge off there, I might have done it. But we did take a little shot just to take the edge off, and it worked. Well, we talked about adversity too, right? We show up to our hotel, which shout out to you know who you are, who set us up with a hotel in Indy. Um, it was walking distance from the stadium, perfect spot. But this hotel, folks, had no fridge, no ice anywhere that we could get and i walked in with a 24 pack of lemonade truly's a bottle of 100 proof mchenry's bourbon that was gifted to me from my boss years ago and i've been saving it for this special occasion i'm fully expecting like we can get some of this on ice and we had the iced coffee i came prepared i'm not even a coffee drinker but i had a big like two liter of iced coffee ready to go for the morning and there's no ice so that really hurt. I mean, we drank a couple of Trulies that night before. We didn't want to get too drunk, but like, man, a warm shot of 100 proof bourbon at 7.30 in the morning. I didn't know what was needed with that, but it was needed. And I think as soon as we took one, you and I kind of looked at each other like, all right, it's go time. Oh, yeah. I was locked in from that point forward for sure. Yeah, 100%. So then we get to the stadium. Um parking complications we we said that on twitter we did drive uh we didn't need to drive but we decided to Wait, hold, on, hold on greg let's not skip this i was trying to leave to get to media day and get there by eight and greg word for word <laughs> said to me i don't give a damn what kevin warren has to say and the kevin warren is the big 10 commissioner he goes i don't give a damn what he has to say okay so this is true i uh i stand by this by the way look i didn't mean that coming from a place of like i don't want to be prepared and i don't want to i don't know I, I like i don't want to do my job i think anybody that saw me or even just followed me on social that weekend saw i was there to do a job and i did my job my job did not have any piece of that including let's listen to what kevin warren has to say had i been there i would not be live tweeting what kevin warren said like has did anybody who was there put out anything exciting to read about from kevin warren no, no way. No shots to anybody who interviewed him. But like Sweeney did. We, we're not we're not there to hear from Kevin Warren. What did <laughs> Kevin Warren say? Like, I, can't believe, I cannot believe Kevin Sweeney just caught a stray. That's not a stray at Kevin Sweeney. Kevin Sweeney is the best writer in the game. Like Kevin Sweeney is an elite reporter who is going to be like the face of college basketball for 30 years to come. But like Amber and Bird Scooters. And Bird Scooters. I don't need to hear Kevin Sweeney's write-ups of Kevin Warren, though. Like, that's – I just it's not – maybe I'm not the audience for that. I don't know. But I don't think there was an audience for Kevin Warren. Yeah. I, I mean, I was on my first day of school shit, to be honest. I wanted to be there, you know, show, show my smiling face, be there. But it all worked out. We walked in there. Everyone was already set up in the press row. And I think that we did a good job of automatically from that point moving forward. Like, we're not here to write stories. Like, that's not our bag. We're going to get in our duffel and we're going to get some content and we're going to talk to these dudes and we're going to figure out what we need to do. But we're not writing stories on them. And I think everybody else appreciated that for real. 
hundred percent. Yeah. I think our, our whole mantra kind of together to each other in preparation was like, we'll see what it's like. We'll catch the vibes and then we'll have to adapt on the fly and don't force anything. Right. We didn't want to go in asking questions just to ask questions. We didn't want to do that. Um, now I ended up asking a question, but it was not specifically for the purpose to try to ask a question. It was, um, you know, I'm feeling the vibes. Jawan Howard was up first, first to the podium as soon as we got there. And we obviously had questions prepared for every single coach. Like not all of them got asked. Some of them did get asked, but we ended up not recording or, or sharing those out for one reason or another. But, um, you know, every coach is up there for only 10 minutes max, really more like five, six, seven minutes. And there's really only time for five questions because every coach's answer for every question, no matter what it is, is a minute to a minute and a half long. And the first two questions that got asked, no offense to whoever asked them, they were kind of eye rollers for me to Juwan. Like just not what me as a Michigan fan would want to hear from the head coach of the team that I support. Um, and I thought I had a pretty good question. So I was like looking at cart to the side while we're kind of just sitting there quietly I'm like, I think I'm going to ask a question. Um, and I did. Didn't realize it would get picked up by Big Ten Network. That was dope. Um, I actually got lucky because they brought the mic behind me, and you kind of have to wait until you get pointed at by the person on stage. So there was a very real chance they were not going to come to me for a question. Uh, but they did. The last question, Juwan gave the all-time soundbite of the year by saying this is Michigan in response to it. Allegations that that was a softball question. I accept those, but I will refute those. I don't think that was a softball question. And, Carr, I want to turn it to you as a Michigan State fan. Was that a softball question that I teed up for my coach? First of all, we were there. Let me tell you, there was way more softball questions than that, okay? And, honestly, every question was a goddamn softball question. Like, no one was going up when, like, a coach up, when Turgeon was up there. I wasn't like, uh, Hi, Turgeon. Uh, Sleepers Media, Carter Elliott here. Is it true that you're scared of Jawan Howard that he was going to beat your ass? Like, people, you're not just up there just firing off things. It was our first time there. So softball question or not, like, get real. <laughs> what are we supposed to do in that situation? Okay, that's, that, I don't really that's, the, that's the right commentary, but I need a yes or no. Was it a softball question? No, it was not a softball question. If anything, I think it was a softball answer. Oh, I like that spin. I didn't see that coming. He literally started up. You ask him a question, which was a very, I thought, like, well thought out question, which you actually brought up the night before. There is so much movement in college basketball and so much opportunity for people to leave. Yet no one's leaving Michigan, even though they're bringing in five star recruiting class year after year. So I thought it was a good question. And Juwan really led it with the thing that people just ate the fuck up. I mean, (laughs) it's Michigan. Like, okay. Thank you. I, last time I checked on the podium, you were Michigan's coach. So that means, yeah, it is Michigan. Yeah. Just because he gave the answer that Michigan fans want to hear, which is this is Michigan. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. Like that doesn't mean that the question was awful. And let's be real, folks. The Michigan program is firing on all cylinders. It is like, what am I supposed to ask? That wouldn't be a softball. Like, Hey, what's it like defending the big 10 crown this year? Like, what was it like in the elite eight last year? Like, what do you want? Everything's going well for Michigan. What's it like bringing the number one recruiting class in? Like they're nasty right now. I'm not going to yeah. ask about bad things. Yeah. And, and 
like I said, you made it a little, little bit too much on Twitter talking about Carter hasn't spoken for like three minutes after Jawan spoke. No, I did lean over to Greg and I was like, I see why people want to play for Jawan. Like I see like people, you know, are, you know, I don't know, like wooed by Jawan or whatever. Like he definitely, like I was a basketball player with no type of ties or affiliation. Like that's a dude you want to play for. Like I would go kick it with Juwan. Like give him the aux cord. Go shoot around with him in the gym. Go to fucking go to Rick's with him. I don't know. But like he's just that type of coach. He had a presence about him that just like made it cool. And like compared to some of the other Big Ten coaches, I think it might have got even exuberated even more. Like just the I don't know coolness of Juwan. Yeah, I think uh, we'll get more into the coaches specifically and the vibes that they gave off. But I think Juwan was one of three coaches to me that had a true presence about them, like where they entered the room, like you're aware they're in the room. One is Juwan, two is Tom Izzo, and then three is actually Brad Underwood. And we'll get a little more into that. Um, but yeah, I, I did. I, it was half joke. It wasn't entirely joke, though, because realistically, Carl, you did go silent for about 10 minutes after his press conference. But part of that was because other people were at the podium. But you did. You leaned over and said, and I quote, Greg, I'm shook. I think I love Jawan Howard. That is word for word what he said to me sitting down. So I went straight with the Twitter fingers and let the people know. Um, but no, I think it's fair to say the, the first day was pretty stacked as far as the teams there. You had uh, Michigan, you had Illinois, you had Ohio State, you had Iowa all day one, um, who to me are like, you know, four of the coaches people would really want to hear from. Day two was basically Michigan State, Purdue, and a whole lot of nothing, really, besides our friend Brad Davison. Well, in Indiana, people, I mean, it was in Indiana, yeah. so the Indiana hype was very big, especially with Mike Woodson being a new coach, so. There's a lot of hype around that. Very true. I was just so let down by it, but we'll, we'll get to that. We'll so, get to that. Okay. So I, as the first day goes on though, so obviously good moment for us to get the question on camera and then breakout sessions start. And we start to kind of see that it's the wild West. Like you've got this area that is now just vacated tables and seats where everyone was sitting with the coaches interviews that People are just sitting there working. People are typing away, filing their stories. Card and I got our laptops sitting there, but we're looking at each other like, we don't have a story to write right now. Like, <laughs> let's go find something to do. You've got probably 25% of the people off in the cafeteria, just like eating, drinking, do whatever they want, mingling over there. And then on the main court, you've got all of these tables on the side that are going to be where the players end up doing 30-minute segments of time blocks that people can just approach and interview anybody they want. Like there's, you don't have to have a sign up sheet, nothing for this. You can just go wherever you want. And so I remember looking at you as soon as this broke off, just like, why aren't people using this time to like do something or like create something? It felt a little weird to me. Yeah. Like, especially speaking, not to jump ahead, but to the second day when we did our shot clock with Eric Hunter Everyone's like working on like their, like you said, like their articles or whatnot. And I literally looked over to center court and I just see Eric Hunter just like standing there. And I'm like, Greg just looks at me and he's like, let's just, let's go do it right now. Like, why not? Like, why is it? Why, I just couldn't get why like these, just these players like running around doing stuff, but no one really wanted to like actually talk to him. I, I don't know if maybe that's like something we weren't supposed to do, but I don't know. They seemed to enjoy it. So it was all good. Yeah. The thing was, I think it, it became obvious pretty quickly that like everything was pretty approachable 
people, players, coaches, media people, like the communications people from a school, like we could go up to someone and basically ask, like, can we get five minutes with this guy? And it was very easy to set that up. And maybe I'm shocked that other people aren't doing this, but like maybe these other writers don't need to do this because they already have that access. It was just shocking to me that like Carter and I could go up and get these people however we wanted to. And I think we, we did our best to turn that into something people would enjoy watching. Uh, which mostly became the shot clock series. We did get some good uh, recorded question answers from both coaches and players in the breakout sessions at the at their own individual podiums. Um, I think we shared a few of those out. I did record everything Tom Izzo said day two, um, which we'll get into Izzo's press conference, but that man in front of a microphone puts up numbers. Yeah, he did. I'll tell you right now, because I was a little worried about uh his opening press conference it was not the best i'll be honest with you i was i left very disappointed but this man went game seven Braun when he had his little 30 minute media session he was electric yeah so let's just go to Izzo right now we'll jump around from day one to day two here but um okay tom Izzo enters and he's kicking off day two just like Jawan howard kicked off day one and like I said, there's a presence about him that is different even from Jawan. Like, I felt like he was the godfather of the Big Ten at this point. It's noticeable that he's older. He's the most experienced. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just a fact. Um, but it, it, he carries himself like he's a man who's been through a couple wars. Like, he's a war veteran who's returned home with all the glory, but also all the battle scars and is not afraid to tell you about the gory details of going to war. Like that's what it was like to me watching this man answer questions. Um, he's very overpowering. Like obviously anyone knows this from just watching Tom Izzo, both coaching and his interviews in the past, but like to be in his presence in a room full of people with eyes and cameras on him and watch him still dominate that setting was very interesting to me. Now that said, he was pretty combative, which is on brand for Tom Izzo. But, you know, a lot of these questions, like we said, are sort of softball questions, very generic that a lot of coaches in the Big Ten across the league got asked, like, what's the transfer portal like? Is it going to be part of your program? Tom is not afraid to just blatantly say something like, I hate the transfer portal. It's horrible for the game. It, it, and, it, was, it, it was funny with the transfer portal one because I literally remember this on the podium. Somebody asked him about how Tyson Walker has been coming along this summer and doing. And he goes, you know, Tyson's had a good summer. I like him. But you had this transfer portal thing. And just like, <laughs> I'm like, for what? Like you went, you, had, you went out of your way to say you hate the transfer portal. And then he followed that up with a shot at people who write for these preseason magazines. And I'm just like, Jesus, Tom, what? Like, did you not get your cup of Joe this morning? What's going on? He was ready to go to war up there. Yeah, he wasn't happy with rankings, which I'm just from the people we were talking to who, you know, have put rankings out and have heard Tom Izzo's comments on rankings. They were like, he wasn't upset about this two weeks ago, but he brings it up at media day. Or, or, he, so, or he said he said all these writers in the magazines don't know anything about the rosters and where they're at right now when you could go to the website of any team and see the whole roster so it didn't really make sense that's where I was thrown off about Izzo but we'll get to his actual podium performance afterwards where he just put on a clinic but the opening ceremony Izzo eh-eh. yeah and look none of this is to say like any of those comments preclude him from being the best coach in the Big Ten like not at mm-hmm. all it's just very interesting to me 
how distinctly unique his approach to all of this is. And like I said, he's earned the right to do whatever the hell he wants to do. Everybody knows that. Um, but it feels like he gets away with a little more than I think younger coaches would. Like, I think if those comments about the transfer portal and about the poll were said by any of the other younger coaches in the big 10, that's probably a story, but yeah. instead it's just like, Oh, that's just Tom. I mean, he, you got to admit he's earned his respect. You know what I'm saying? Got, like, like you said, he's been there. He's been around. He's one of the greatest coaches in college basketball. He's earned that, you know, he's earned that time to kind of toe that line a little bit. 100%. Do we want to mention, I feel that like we should, you did attempt to ask a question in the room full podium setting with Tom Izzo, but you got kind of screwed there. I did. So there was like everyone raising their hands and there's like people up front who like see you. So I thought like I raised my hand like, ah, six, seven, see me uh, right here. But like my hand just like really wasn't called on. So, I, you know, I talked it up. Didn't really bother me that much, but I did want to ask. I, I mean, I was going to ask him a softball question. I'll let you know that right so, now. So first of all, they probably thought you were Trace Jackson Davis. And they're like, why does a player want to ask Tom Izzo a question? That's weird. And then number two, Carter, I'd like to give you the opportunity right now to ask the question that you would have asked Tom Izzo. I'm going to put my Tom Izzo hat on. All right, here we go. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Carter Elliott, Supers Media here. There's been a lot of buzz around campus with the resurgence of the football program and Coach Mel Tucker and what he's doing with that. It seems to kind of invigorated the campus to a sense. I see a lot of the basketball players at football games, on the sidelines, talking about Tuck's coming. Kind of talk about how that's affected you and your team, and do you feel that different energy around campus? Well, obviously, Mel Tucker's one of the greatest football coaches in the game. And, you know, if he's going to keep winning, I'm not going to get my players until next April at this rate. And he will. He will. That's Michigan State. That's what we do. I don't know. I don't – I don't. that's a really bad Tom Izzo impression. Bro, was that Tom Ford or – I mean, was that Tom Izzo or Harrison Ford? <laughs> okay, that one – The that quote, though, is something he actually said. He did say yeah. – I forget what the question was, but – um, basically I, so, someone, someone asked him if there's a possibility that some football players might join yeah. the basketball team when their season's over. Yeah. And he basically hit him with, well, if we keep winning like this, I'll never get them, which I thought was a great answer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, first of all, good question. Not a, not a softball question at all. Wish you could have answered that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you get Tom talking about football. He'll talk for five, six minutes there. Definitely. Tom had some one-liners, man. Like the one where someone asked him what's on his bucket list for college hoops. And he goes, I mean, to be honest with you, I've done it all. I'm just trying to fulfill my player's bucket list at this point. And then quickly flips to, I'd like to get a game to the UP like that. (laughs) Any Michigander is going to eat that up. So (laughs) he's he's going, yeah, he's a character, man. He really is. I, I enjoyed tremendously watching him all day in a way that I don't think I was captivated by really anybody else. And I will say the contrast between him and Juwan is so crazy just by how different they are as people. And they're obviously both very successful um, and in totally different stages of their career. But, you know, one of my favorite things as a fan in the state of Michigan of just both of these teams is the way Tom Izzo and John Beeline could not have been more different to me. Yeah. They could not have been more different. And that made that rivalry so fun. 
And in a totally different twist on it, it's the same thing with Juwan Howard and Tom Izzo. I think these two clearly were the dominating presences from a coaching perspective of the weekend. I think there's a reason they were both placed first in their day to start it off with a bang and get everybody there on time. Um, And I think they both would say that they gave 10 out of 10 performances in their own way if they were grading themselves. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, there's I'll tell you all right now, like and I'll be honest with you before this, like I'd watch clips of media day, but I never really like actually watch media day. And there's a lot of repetitive shit during media day. They talk about the chemistry they talk about the depth. They talk about the great summer, this guy being in the best shape ever. This guy's adding 15, 20 pounds. It just gets repeated and regurgitated time after time. But like you said, there were a couple coaches in there who kind of just had a presence and got past that stuff and you like felt it. So Izzo and Jawan were two of those guys, I think. Yeah, 100 percent. All right. Let's get to some sort of, well, our own shot clock, maybe a couple speed round, a couple questions here. But first, Carter, I'd like to just pause and give you the opportunity. Do you want to do a little fake ad read for us today? Your, your last one was so good. I feel like I'd like to put you on the spot if you'd like. Holy shit. No, I do not want to be on the spot. I'll let you know right now. <laughs> no free ads. Okay. That's fine. I was just checking. I just, you know, you've been uh, in your advertised sponsorment partnership bag lately. I figured you might have something for us. I mean, if you want, I mean, I could do a fake bourbon ad, but I don't think I will. Give me a, hey, give, give me an ad read for uh, the betting newsletter that I put together. Has the person that you follow picks ever won $37,000? I didn't think so. Follow Supers Media Substack. Thank you. And maybe we'll get a Carter Elliott appearance this week. That's my goal. My number one goal for the week is just get something in written form from the man. I might get, Um, I really might get in my bag. I might have a cup. I might have a paragraph or two on a couple of picks for the newsletter. Hey, talking about, we got a Google doc. We got a couple Uh of paragraphs. Hey, whoa, don't let, don't let that boy car pick up the pen. Uh, we really didn't start with this from the top and I'm pretty upset with you for not forcing us to, I won $37,000 this week, bro. (laughs) $37,000. What? What? (laughs) Like what? What? Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, some people saw the screenshot of the parlay I put out by the way. And like their first reaction was you're betting $300 on something like this, which Fair comment, kind of like when people told me I do a softball question. Like, that's that's all fair. I'm a fucked up person. I mean, let me tell you, like, I do some weird shit. But I wasn't putting $300 on underdog parlays until I had already made 12K this month, folks. Right. Rule, num- rule number one of betting with sleepers. You build the bankroll, and then you slap the parlays, and you hit. Thank you, Cart. That's all I'm saying. Like, look, it's all about your bankroll. Know your bankroll. Play within your limits and take some shots. And look, I took a deep shot. I hit a deep shot. I'm $37,000 richer in the family savings account on my mama. Okay. Jesus. So, I, I can't believe you won $37,000. I did. I FaceTimed Carter uh, and TJ and Zach, two of our other friends. Um, and by the way, this man Carter tried to get me to cash out for two thousand. Two thousand. He tried wait, to rob me of thirty-five thousand. Whoa, 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 whoa! I said the cash out for fifteen thousand. No, prior to that, I sent it the very first time that I could cash out for anything good. It was two thousand, and you sent back to the group immediately, bro, cash out. And then you texted me on the side and said, "You gotta cash out." I thought it was for fifteen k. I don't know, man. You know, I'm not built for that. I mean, you're the guy who doesn't hedge, though. I thought you'd give me a little stand strong. 
I did, but bro, when I saw 15K, I was like just thinking, like, dude, he could get fifteen thousand dollars. All he has to do is press a button. I mean, that was honestly wild for looking at that button. And, oh, and sorry, not to cut you off. I was also watching the games you were betting on, and I thought for sure that's really why I said it. I saw it in BYU's eyes. I thought they were about to do it, but they smoked it. I low-key did too. They really blew it. Um, no, I I the wife was in the know on this actually, because once I saw there was a real shot, I did the responsible thing, folks. I pulled the wife into the bedroom. We had some friends over and I said, here's our options. And credit to her. She was not like cash out right away. She was like, do your thing. And I'm like, okay. So played it smart. I did hedge at the end. Uh, that's behind the scenes. You don't see when I tweet the, the ticket out at the end, but I did hedge for like 5,000 at the end. So really took like just over 30 home, which, whew, Let's do that again, folks. And thus, the newsletter I put together, shitty timing for me to put a newsletter together, go under 500 the first two weeks, and then not include the parlay that wins $37,000 in that. My bad. So welcome anybody to, that Welcome to betting, man. Like, that's it. That is what it is. Anybody that paid for it, you've been refunded. Uh, everybody listening to this, sign up for that shit. I don't know what it's called, but it's Substack. You can go to my Twitter and find it subscribe for free you'll get a weekly thing from carter and i we got like 100 subscribers right now uh, and hopefully we'll actually put something together that everybody can win on because that would be my biggest dream in life agreed come on man win some money with us easy as that what what more do you need okay one last little rant we got you with the hoop content we got you with a little bit of entertainment sprinkled in there we got you with the betting i mean what what else, what else do you really need? I mean, we have family shout outs on this show, so we're about family as well. I mean, what do you actually need besides that? Get with the get with the brand, folks. We've been telling you since the first episode, the sleepers brand, the stock is going up. Stock is going up. And you know whose stock is not going up right now, Carter? Some breaking news on the sleepers podcast. John Gruden is set to resign as Las Vegas Raiders head coach due to scandal. What? Due to scandal card. A white football coach in a scandal? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, all right. I couldn't help myself, but uh, turn my reporter hat on. You know, we are media, so I had to do it. Uh, let's get into the second half of this. Some speed round questions. Um, give me players whose stock went the most up in your eyes for media day. Do I have to pick one? You can pick more than one. Okay. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Curbelo, and then I'm going to go with a tie between Ayala and Connor McCaffrey. Whoa. Okay. I did not expect the last one for sure. Ayala was honorable mention on my list. I also have three. Curbelo was my clear number one. Do you want to tell us – Tell the people what we think of Andre Carbello after this weekend. Yeah, I think that uh, – and I'll, I'll let you talk about the comparison that you made because I think that really fits perfectly when you said it uh, in the moment. But, like, the dude just exudes confidence. Like, he thought he was that boy. He thought he was that man at media day. And you got to commend him for that. Like, he was confident. You know, he fueled the Michigan rivalry with saying he wants to dunk on Hunter Dickinson, didn't hesitate at all. I mean, he just – he had a he had a – he had a little swag to him, and I like the confidence. So I think Carbello was my clear-cut number one. I enjoyed uh, the Ayala 30 seconds as well, just because 
I thought he gave some good answers, but also his press conference, I thought was really good when we talked to him because he kind of gets, he's kind of an afterthought, I think. And he's a really good big 10 player. And I think that he carried himself very well. I like what he had to say. First time I kind of actually heard him speak. So I like that. And with Connor McCaffrey, he said girls likes girls as his certified <laughs> lover boy. So that's the only reason he stock up. That's very true. That clip might be the clip of the weekend. Um, so I, you nailed all of it. One of my, uh, my points, I'm going to write an article for busting brackets this week on just like takeaways from media day. One of the biggest ones for me is that um, the guard play in the conference is viewed as like a major weakness or like a big, I, I don't want to say turn off Cause that seems like a weird thing, but just like, no one's talking about the guards in the big Ten, right? There's a lot of talented guards and experienced guards coming back in this conference. And Eric Ayala is number one. Nobody's talking about him as a potential all-conference guy. He averaged like 15 and five last year on great percentages and is one of the best defenders in the league. Like if his name is just anybody else's name, I think he is probably a projected first-team all-conference guy. Uh, and he was kind of like a quiet killer there. Like he, he carried himself like he is that boy. So it's uh, it's kind of flipped Maryland in my head. I had some ideas that Maryland was going to underachieve as they usually do, but with Ayala there and the way everybody from that group, Ayala and uh, Dante Scott and Turgeon in general talked about Fats Russell, they really talked up Fats Russell like he's going to be a guy. So we'll see. Um, I to back to your Curbelo point. To me, there's a difference between exuding confidence by manufacturing that confidence. And I have a much larger dialogue to have in a couple bullet points here, but Andre Curbelo is so confident and it's so natural and it's so quiet. It's understated. Like it's not him running around to tell people he's that guy, but just walking into a room with him or having one sentence of a conversation with him. It's like, Oh shit. Like, he can back it up. Like I expect everything this man says and does to come true. I don't know why. Like it's a, it's a natural thing he carries himself with. And honestly, he's there with Kofi Coburn. Most people's, you know, big 10 player of the year preseason. Some people have him as national player of the year preseason. And honestly, to me, Cart, I felt like Andre Corbello was the alpha dog in that relationship. Maybe Definitely. I'm overreading that, but like watching them interact together, to me, it was like, Okay, Curbelo might be the guy this year, and we'll see. My comparison that you you alluded to, he reminds me a ton of Denzel Valentine. I think some of that is just play style. Like, I think watching him his freshman year reminded me of early career Denzel. Like, he's just got this crazy vision. He almost attempts some things he shouldn't from a passing perspective, but he's so clever and creative and crafty to get to his spots whenever he wants. Um, you know, Denzel really blossomed when he got – up to his junior senior year when they gave him the keys they started giving him more and more responsibility this year Curbelo's got the keys like in order for Illinois to do what people think they can do Curbelo has to be an all American or all conference player at minimum uh, and I left the weekend 100% feeling like that's a real possibility um, so I was I was blown away by his entire aura in general and I'm pretty high on the Curbelo stock at this point yeah, and I was one of the people who kind of came in like not like a Cabello hater, but like also like everyone was just like, okay, you got rid of I, you got rid of Io, okay, put in Cabello, they're just as good. Shit, maybe they're even better. Like they could be that good, and that's just a lot to put on somebody. But 
you know, like you pointed to and alluded to, I mean, he was saying all the right things. You could tell that he was confident in himself and his game and his work. When he was, when I was listening to him in his press conference, he was talking about what he's doing during the summer. And it seemed like it's him. Like Andre Curbelo is Illinois basketball. Like Kofi might be their best player maybe, but Andre Cabello is going to be what makes that team go. And he's ready to burden, take the burden of that team being able to go. Like he's going to want to be the, you know, to excel them to win, excel them to be a great team. And you got to respect a guy like that just saying, you know, fuck it. I'm willing to take that on my shoulders. Like I'll do it. He's also one of the only sophomores at the event. Uh, Illinois had no shortage of upperclassmen they could have brought. They could have brought Trent Frazier. They could have brought DeMonte Williams. They didn't. They brought their sophomore guard. Certain other program didn't do that. Uh, I'm talking to you, Purdue, Jay Nivey, the number one NBA prospect in this conference. Can't come to media day for a top 10 team. Wouldn't want that to be my program. So kudos. This is me. I know we had a very back and forth relationship last year, Illinois. Preseason, you were my team. I did the first ever daily picks video in an Io DeSumo jersey, folks. I wanted to love you. That flipped very quickly down the stretch of the season. I was never happier than when you lost in the round of 32. I want to make it unequivocally clear, Cart. I'm going into this season with an open heart to Illinois. I have been wooed by Andre Curbelo, and until things go south, I'm fine with Illinois being good this year. Yeah, my, my pick in the newsletter might have to be the over-under on how long <laughs> that shit lasts. We'll see. Uh, we will see. Other two quick ones for me on whose stock went up. I thought EJ Liddell, um, the person, really surprised me. I don't know what I was expecting from EJ Liddell, but like he was like no nonsense and very cordial and happy to be there. And I don't know, just like from a quick interaction with him and hearing his press conference answers, like if there was one guy on any team that I would point to and be like, that guy's ready to individually carry this team, it's EJ Liddell. Like he just seemed so mature. He seemed like he's just going to be the guy in all facets to answer questions, to do it on the court. And he's totally comfortable with that. Um, I I've not been a huge Liddell believer. He's like very low on my list of all the great big 10 bigs. I typically put him last because I don't think he defends at all, but to me, I'm a little bit sold on him right now after just seeing him in person. I'm like, okay, Liddell might be good enough to keep this team in the conference race by himself. Um, and then last one, Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown looks like he's 6'10 in person. Yeah. What the, that, on the second day when we walked in, he was doing an interview with Andy Katz. And I, I looked to my left. I was like, God damn, is that Gabe? That's goofy. It's goof. Goof was about, goof is like 6'9, maybe pushing 6'10 with arms like, like these, no Amani Bates arms. Yeah. There was no shortage of just very tall people in this arena um carter being one of them not gonna lie and honestly me being one of them there were some rumors g turned into like a little six five maybe pushing six five and a half this weekend i don't know we, we were definitely one of the taller media team media members for sure robbie hummel gave me a gave me a little run for my money for sure but we were definitely the taller side of all the media members yeah we were up there um sure. and so was gabe brown so he goes his up Stock went up just because he went up height-wise. Uh, let's go players whose stock went down for you, Cart. If you're going to say the one I think you're going to say, can I go first? But if you're going to say someone else, go ahead. I know who you're going to say, so I was going to go to somebody else. Okay. 
Um, I think I might have to go uh, McGowan's from Nebraska. He was my honorable mention. I only put one name for this, but he probably would have been two for me. Yeah, uh, I, I just think he, he lied in his answers. <laughs> I think he did. He seemed super rehearsed and uncomfortable, and maybe that's just a public speaking thing. But yeah. um, and that's like yeah. no, that's no slight towards him. I just if I had to pick somebody besides who you're gonna pick, that that's who I think I'd go with. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. All right, I'll. I'm just gonna go. Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. Hunter Dickinson had as bad of a media day as he possibly could have had from a Michigan fan perspective. Now, from a media perspective, Sleepers Media, I was eating that shit up, as was everybody there. I mean, he is a media member's dream, but he is a comic book villain. He is a rehearsed comic book villain. It's calculated. It's like he went home at the end of last season, went to sleep for three days, locked himself in a room, and then came out of that saying, my only goal in life is to be the villain of college basketball. Maybe you watch Christian Leitner tape, J.J. Redick, Grayson Allen. I don't know. But, like, he has taken on this persona that when I've watched other interviews of Hunter Dickinson, he never had before. Now, I will say, Hunter Dickinson has always had a little mean streak, a little edge to him. But it's always been the edge of, like, I want to dunk on you and then chirp your bench on the way down the floor, which is a certified Carter Elliott move. Give someone a bucket, let them know you gave them a bucket. This media day cart, Hunter Dickinson was not giving buckets. There were no buckets to give, but he was ready to antagonize every single person there. He went out of his way to call out Illinois, call out their fans. He named Kofi Coburn and Andre Curbelo by name. Now he didn't say, I hate them, but in a monologue about how much he hates Illinois to then immediately say, I mean, they got Kofi, they got Andre and their fans are just annoying. Right. He, which... And not, and, and not to mention, he called out their history. He goes, I mean, like, yeah, a good program, but like, I like what under was doing over there, but honestly, like what's, what's Illinois done? Like what, they're not like a powerhouse. They're not, they're nothing like this past couple of years. They've been good, but like, what, 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 they don't have any history or anything like that. And I was just like, geez. And the, I think the, I'll let you go with the rest of your shit, G. But oh, I, think the fu- I think the funniest part of the whole thing was that Eli is just standing there, just cracking up, just putting his hand in his head to my man, this dude Hunter's just a fool. And like the calm people are like outside the ropes, just like, oh, they got him going. And Hunter looks over to me and goes, I, I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry, y'all. I, I hate Illinois fans. They're annoying. They're annoying. And that's fine to say because I think they probably think I'm annoying. Well, just say, so you know, I don't like them either. Just like I didn't used to like EJ Liddell. So I met him at the G League combine. I used to hate EJ Liddell. Right. And I was just like, what the hell? What's going on here? It's like he wanted to write a book live about everyone he hates. And like, I just, I didn't get it. Right. Because again, it's entertaining as hell. I was so captivated and just interested in this answer. Like I forgot to record this on my phone. I'm standing there front row, just like with my jaw probably dropping. Like, I can't believe he's doing this. It honestly, it felt like watching a drunk scouts live where like one of us is drunk, just saying some bullshit. And the other one is just sitting there like this. Like that's what Eli and Hunter looked like on a stage in front of 50 media members, because I forget who the other teams were at this point. There was nobody at any other podium. Everyone was here because they knew Hunter Dickinson was going to say some bullshit 
and he delivered. <laughs> Bro, you got to tell him about what he did before we did our shot clock. Okay, so again, I, I, I want to bite my tongue here because I really want to keep rooting for Hunter Dickinson. I don't want Michigan fans to hate me for this, but this is just the experience that I had. I wanted to go in saying Hunter Dickinson is my favorite player ever. I left not feeling that way. So we, we wait for the podium to end. We've already lined up with the Michigan comms guy that we're going to be able to take Hunter and Eli to the side and do a little video with both of them. So we do. Typically, you know, by now we've done six or seven of these. Everybody else that we've done this with, you know, we kind of dap up and we're kind of talking to on the way. Like, hey, what's up? We're the sleepers. Introduce ourselves, say our names, say what we're doing here. Um, typically, like we get a normal human interaction with that, right? Like they're like, oh, yeah, like sounds cool. Like where y'all from? Stupid shit like that. We didn't get that from Michigan at all. When I say Michigan, I don't mean Eli Brooks. I mean, we did not get that from Hunter Dickinson. Okay. like. This man, as soon as he steps off the podium, is just looking for something else to make himself the center of attention with. Um, and we've been instructed by the comms person to go walk in front of this little table at the side by the tunnel where the Big Ten trophies are. So we're walking. And again, I'm trying to explain what we're going to do. He's not listening. This is in one ear, out the other. He did not make eye contact one time, which fine. You don't owe me that, but just a little different than everybody else. We get to the table that we're going to do. He just grabs the Big Ten trophy, like without anybody telling him he could, without saying anything, like he literally just held the trophy and immediately turned to you with your phone to make sure you got that shit on camera. Um, and he didn't put it down for the entire interview. I didn't mind that because it's now hilarious to go back and watch that. But like the man was just there to stir things up is how I felt. And then when given the chance to stir things up, because Car, that's what we wanted, right? We wanted people when we're doing our shot clock interviews to stir things up. Tell us who you're going to dunk on. Tell us who you want to score on. Who's the hardest player to guard? Who's the best player on your own team? Stir up some controversy. He ducked every single question. After sitting at a podium, antagonizing every fan base, every player that he possibly could, he ducked the real questions. And you know what, Cart? Almost every other player that we talked to across the conference didn't duck them. They did not hesitate to say Hunter Dickinson's the guy I want to dunk on. And I don't think that was a stir up answer from everybody else. I think it's just honesty. Right. True. And then afterwards, you know, I was, I'm not a Michigan fan. So I thought the shit was funny. Like he's just talking shit to fans. If I was at media day, that's what I would be doing. If I was a player, I'd be antagonizing people. I'd be giving people quotes for days. Like, that's what I would do. So I related to it. I thought it was dope. We're talking afterwards, like, thanks, appreciate it, da-da-da. And we're like, just so you know, like, people have been saying they want to dunk on you. And he goes, oh, for real? Damn, I would have changed my answer. I'm like, what? I'm like, you've been stirring up shit the whole time. Why not say it? Said I I wouldn't have been so politically correct then. Like, oh, thank you for choosing to be politically correct now after not the entire day. Uh, yeah. And I just, like I said, the biggest thing to me, it felt so calculated. It felt so calculated. Like uh, to give a different example, like Alonzo Verge, the new Nebraska point guard coming over from Arizona state. Like he was just a ball of energy the entire day. He said some wild shit, like not necessarily antagonizing people, but like just really over the top, excited, enthusiastic, cr- kind of crazy answers. Yeah. That was him. Like he wasn't doing that to put on a show 
Hunter Dickinson, every single thing felt planned. It felt like he was there to do a job to make himself the villain. He name dropped big Dickinson energy about 45 times on questions that just had nothing to do with NIL. Um, And yeah, I left being very unimpressed with Hunter Dickinson, the person and where he fits into the big 10 this season. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is, but yeah. Uh, he just uh he didn't really give us I like you said just the the energy that the other players gave us necessarily. Uh we wanted some of that podium energy to go to the shot clock and it didn't. Like he said his be- he said the best player on the team was Jawan Howard. Like God, come on, man. Yeah, like if you're gonna be that guy, say like you fucking kidding me? I'm the best player on this team. Just to give Michigan fans something though, uh we actually haven't released Eli Brooks shot clock yet, but when asked who is the most underrated player on Michigan's team, he did not hesitate in saying Kobe Bufkin. This just so true. you guys know. And Kobe Bufkin looks about six seven in the video Michigan just put out about an hour ago, by the way. So, anyways, um, all right, coach, stock up, stock down. Who you got? Oh man, I'm gonna go coach up Shrewsbury from Penn State. Um. I, we were joking about it when you snapped that picture, but like it was actually kind of cool that he was the only coach whose players came out to see his little podium thing. Now that might've been because their players didn't have any other media obligations maybe during that, but it was noticeable that they were out there and attentive and watching him speak. And I liked his answers. I thought he was just like a, a you know, just based off what hearing his answers, I thought he was a cool guy. And I think that, you know, he has a reputation uh, at his previous team with Purdue as being a really good recruiter. So I think if he can get those type of players in, I know you mentioned to me, Greg, that he actually is bringing a couple high level recruits in this year. So moving forward, I think, I think Penn state has a pretty good coach at the helm and I'm, I'm kind of, ex, you know, I think they're going to do some good things. Yeah. You can't win the conference in your introductory press conference, but you can win your introductory press conference. Shrewsbury 100% did. Uh, and some of the other new coaches did not, to be honest. And I have one of those in my takes. Maybe you'll have one with a coach stock down in a moment. Um, but yeah, Shrewsbury's a great answer. He was runner up for me for my most stock raiser coach. My number one was Steve Peichel at Rutgers. Um, he didn't really do anything crazy special to me, but he gave very authentic answers and seemed genuinely energized about his team. Like he spoke to just the fact of, where Rutgers is as a program now and like yes we lose Jacob Young but like we have a lot of guys back and no one's really talking about us and I feel like you could see just from the way some of these coaches were talking who truly believed that they're a little underrated or is a contender in this conference and you could also tell who doesn't really want to say much because you don't really know where this year is going to go. Even the teams that are picked in the middle to the upper level of the conference. I felt there was some noticeable people that fell into those categories. Michael to me looked like a guy who's like, we're going to be here. Like I, I firmly believe this. I'm not going to say any crazy shit, but like, let me give you answers to back up why we're going to be really good. Uh, and I'm energized as hell for this season. So if I was a Rutgers fan, I would be pretty ecstatic with the way his press conference went. And if I was a player, I would like to play for Steve Peichel after seeing his interviews. Facts. I th- and I think it's that comes from a place, too, is like 
we just don't really follow Rutgers to that much. Like I, that's the first time I think I've ever actually like listened to like a Steve Pipo like press conference, news bit, something like that. And I just echo everything you said with that. Uh, I do have to add this as well. Don't know if this is necessarily a stock up situation because I do hold this coach in high regard, but I appreciate Matt Painter just being straight up as hell in his press conference. Like he did not sugarcoat shit when he could have. Yeah, I... You're not feeling that? No, I... I thought he was straight up, but really, I mean, the thing we're talking about him being straight up on is like, can Zach Eady and Travion Williams play together? And everybody expected that answer to be, yeah, because he told the Athletic like two weeks ago that they were going to play major minutes together. And now that was not the answer. Like (laughs) he was given like three opportunities to say, yeah, they could probably play together. And every single time started with, well, Travion's got to be able to guard fours. And, you know, there's a lot of skilled, quick fours in this conference. Uh, Travion can't, uh, it's kind of dicey. And then he turned that into like four minutes of shit that doesn't really have anything to do with Edie and Williams playing together. So I don't know. I, I appreciated honesty, but I also didn't really enjoy listening to those answers because I thought he was talking in circles for 90% of the answers. Uh, I take a different little approach to that. I appreciated, you know, him going into detail a little bit because I didn't see anybody else going into detail. So I give him a little kudos for that. But we're on the same page with Pipel, though, and I think Shrewsbury as well. Um, stock down, do we want to get into that? Yeah, let's do stock down. I'll go first. My right. answer is Chris Holtman, and I think you disagree with this one based on what we talked from day one. Yeah. Um, I So – of the guys I mentioned, like coaches who are kind of picked to be good in the conference this year that I felt were totally inauthentic or just totally posing to act like they thought they might be good. Like I believe in my bones after seeing this man for four hours, Chris Holtman thinks Ohio state's going to stink this year. I really truly believe that. I think all of his answers were like super dull, non-answers I think he couldn't point to anything specific other than EJ Liddell that he's excited about. I thought he looked tired. I think Chris Holtman was the guy who came in early in his career at Ohio state talking about, Oh, I mean, DJ Carton can be the national player of the year in two years. Like he has given some crazy enthusiastic answers in the past. He did none of that this year. And I'm reading between the lines a little bit. I just am totally interpreting this as he doesn't like his team. And I put some of that like just on his performance. Like it was a lazy lackluster performance for me. That's why his stock is down for me. Cause I went into this thinking like as a player, I'd probably love to play for Chris Holtman. I came away feeling like I would never want to play for that guy. Wow. I disagree with that. I kind of liked Holtman. I don't know. What'd you like, like about him? What did I like about him? Yeah. Well, in my head, this is going to sound stupid, but like, I like that he highlighted EJ Liddell because I don't think everybody else is highlighting EJ Liddell enough. So he definitely pre- highlighted EJ Liddell. I appreciated that because I feel like everyone wants to talk about Dwayne Washington leaving when no one wants to highlight that they're getting EJ Liddell, a first team all Big Ten player back. So I appreciated that. I appreciated the highlighting of the big man. So that's where I'm coming from that personally. But the undisputed loser stock down of the coaches is Mike Woodson in Indiana. I mean, good Lord was that absolutely just 
boring. Like no way can anyone go into a recruiting pitch with Mike Woodson and come out saying like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to war for that man. Are they coming out saying maybe he can tell us some stories about how he used to shoot on peach hoops with James Naismith in them? Maybe so. But besides that, the dude was boring. I rather heard a cinder block up there on the podium. Straight up. Yeah, I mean, absolutely correct. Like I, I tweeted this out non-sarcastically <laughs> it turned out to go back and read it. it felt very sarcastic for anyone in the room but when mike woodson took the stage there was a buzz in the room partially because we're in indiana we're in indianapolis like there were a lot of hoosier fans in the building um and there was a brand new coach coming from the nba with a program that desperately needs some energy he brought zero energy he talked at the pace of a snail he talked with the tone of like three oil drums. Like that doesn't even make sense, but it does. If you were there, he started the press conference with the classic grandpa, like, mm-hmm. all right. All right. And then just pause. And I was just like, dog, like I, and I don't want to be an age shaming podcast. Cause we're not a body shaming podcast. We're not any shaming podcast. Don't want to be an age shaming podcast, but God, that dude's old. Like, and he looks old. He looks old, too. Hey, watch, man. Watch, watch who you're calling old when you got your own coach. At least my coach is, like, moving okay. That's true. That's, see, now we're more body shaming than we are age shaming. Damn it. I'm, okay, but in all seriousness, it's just, like, just boring. Straight it was on. very boring, yeah. I mean, if no Indiana fan could watch those clips and be like, oh, we got the guy. Like... <laughs> But we'll see. I mean, again, you can't win or lose the conference in a press conference, but it was it was a brutal start uh, from Mr. Mike Woodson. All right, let's go into our final segment here. Let's do our three hot takes each or three takes away from the weekend. Uh, I had three and I've just inserted two different ones as replacements because you nailed in your stock up, stock down things. Two of my takes. I had one take that Mike Woodson's tenure will be less than Archie Miller's was at Indiana. And then I had two, Micah Shrewsbury is the guy at Penn State. He'll be there a decade from now. Those are my two. I feel obligated to give the people something different than those. So I've got my three ready, Cart. You want me to go first? You want to go back and forth here? What do you want? You go ahead and go. You go ahead and go first. All right. I'm going to start uh, with, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Two of them are Michigan school related. And then one of them is a separate team. Um, I'll start with Michigan State, actually. My hot take coming away from Big Ten Media Day is that Michigan State will finish in the top four in this conference. Now, that's probably fourth behind Illinois, behind Michigan, behind Purdue. But I actually predicted this a couple weeks ago. I said, I think Tom Izzo could be Big Ten Coach of the Year this year. He likes having teams that are a little underrated, that people don't expect much of going into the season. He has that 100% this year. And I'm telling you from all his answers, he genuinely likes this group. He was very quick to take all responsibility and blame for last season. He was unafraid to acknowledge how poorly last season went. I give him a ton of credit for approaching it that way. He wasn't asked about it. He unabashedly brought it up. Last year was a disaster. It was entirely my fault. He didn't even say the staff's fault. He said it was my fault. He mentioned that it was because of point guard play. 
He mentioned it was because he was trying to put the wrong guys at point guard. He mentioned he's got the guys he needs now at point guard. And then he spent the rest of the day really talking up what he likes about all of the elements of his teams. The only things he didn't like was anything that wasn't roster related. You get him talking about the roster. This man was very excited. Uh, and I've, I've just seen the formula before cart. He takes a team. You don't expect to be anything. He turns them into something. I think, Mid to late February, this team is a factor in the conference race. Ultimately, I don't think it's enough. I don't think they're talented enough, but I think it's going to be a hell of a year for Spartan fans. Okay. I'm not mad. I like I like, I like this Michigan State talk. This is nice, G. Of course you're not mad. And for the people out there, by the way, oh, this guy can't host a Michigan State podcast. I didn't come up with that take because I'm hosting a Michigan State podcast. All right? This, this right here, Sleepers Podcast, is not a Michigan State podcast. It's a basketball podcast. I will keep it real. If I came away from this thinking Michigan State was going to miss the tournament, you would hear that from me. But I'm energized. I think Izzo did a great job, and I think he loves his team. So I'm expecting big things. Number two, let's go to the other side, Cart. Michigan fans are going to hate this episode. Michigan cannot win a national title with Hunter Dickinson as their best player. That's the take. And now – we preface it with this. That's not to say this Michigan team can't win a national title. But if they do, it's going to be because Caleb Houston is that best player by the end of the season. Wow. I wouldn't predict that, but he's a guy that could go top five in the draft. And if Caleb Houston lives up to that, can do a little bit on ball, can carry the scoring load, and Hunter Dickinson can just be exactly what he was last season, I could see it happening. But if this season becomes the Hunter Dickinson show, it's going to be a lot more about headlines and Hunter Dickinson individually than it is going to be about team success. Wow. I mean, I, I'm not mad at that, though, because I think I agree with that. Um, I think Hunter Dickinson needs to play his role. He can be that All-American. I'm not saying he can't have the same type of year he has last year. But I don't know. But, you know, best player is something you need to dissect a little bit, like, I think that Kofi might be the best player on Illinois, like I said, but that team's going to go as far as Andre Carrello takes them, I think. Like, so it goes both ways. So that's a good take. Don't get pissed at it, Michigan fans. Right when you hear it, actually think about it and really run it through your heads, okay? Because that makes sense. Oh, I'm going to get shit. Like, this is the thing. I just want both sides to realize I get shit from both sides, and that's fair. Like, neither side's ever going to love my takes. But like I said – I get shit from both sides, too. I'll keep it real. It is what it, when have you ever gotten shit from a Michigan State fan? Bro, I get shit from Michigan State fans because I consider myself more of a realist state fan. That is true. You've done a really good job of that this year. I had to break you down for about four years to get to this point, but you're there. Thanks. All right. And finally, my last hot take, Cart. Uh, I have a champion, I think, in this conference, and it's the Illinois Fighting Illini. I thought that Curbelo and Kofi collectively were undoubtedly carrying themselves as were them boys. I thought just from eye test alone, like that's the best duo in the conference. I have no concerns about that. When you start to think about the way guys like Frazier and Williams fit in with them, it's a perfect fit. It's going to be a two man show. I think they're both first team, all conference guys. Um, And I think Purdue and Michigan are going to have to keep up. I don't think Purdue and Michigan are the top. Like they may believe they are right now. Um, Matt Painter said in his opening press conference, like expectations are super high, 
we can't win a title right now. Like we don't get banners for October. The fact that Mac Painter's even acknowledging that right now, that Hunter Dickinson's acknowledging that he's got all this hype. Illinois didn't do that. Okay. And maybe that's because they're picked a little lower, but we know Illinois had a chip on their shoulder last season. We know they damn near almost won the conference. We know they won the big 10 tournament and we know they brought the biggest name in the conference back in Kofi Coburn. I like it. I've now seen it with my own eyes. Like I said, I'm back on the bandwagon. They wooed me. I think Illinois wins the regular season conference title. Three detail filled takes, but I appreciate all of them. And I, I like all those. All right, let's all hear right. yours. Let's hear yours. Take to mine. Uh, before I do say one of them, can I ask you a question that you might may or may not know? Please. Was Northwestern picked to finish last? Or I'm sorry, who was picked to finish last in the Big Ten poll? Minnesota. Okay. Uh, then it's not a hot take then. That's happening. Just so you guys know. <laughs> there was zero. I really – Ben Johnson's light-skinned, so I hope he does his thing. But, ugh, no, that mid, below mid – bad team so i'll move on i have two i have one big 10 media day take and then i have one take that i just want on the record moving forward so you know there's video evidence of it my one take ej liddell will be player of the year in the big 10 conference wow yes i think ej liddell is going to take even a bigger jump this year than the stats he put up last year i think ohio state's going to be a top four battling big 10 team and I think he's going to put up the stats without Dwayne Washington. Everything's going to go through EJ Liddell. I'm really high on EJ Liddell as a player. I think that he has the skill set on the offensive end for sure, especially against some maybe slow foot, slow, heavy footed bigs in the Big Ten. So my hot takes EJ Liddell, player of the year in the Big Ten. My, I love that. I love my that. hot take moving forward that I want to be monitored as the Sleepers Media podcast moves forward is that Kobe Bufkin will have a better NBA career and be a better NBA player than Caleb Houston. How the hell did you get that from Big Ten Media Day? <laughs> I, I said this wasn't from Big Ten Media Day. I said no, this is this just a, this entire podcast is about Big Ten Media Day. And our, that's, big, oh. our grand top of the mountaintop moment is a take that has nothing to do with Big Ten Media Day. Well, I, I only came with one take away from Big Ten Media Day, and that was the EJ Liddell is the Big Ten player of the year. That's the one take I came with. I didn't come with three takes. Carter, this is why I love you, dude. This is just, I mean, that's the most Carter Elliott finish to a Big Ten Media Day episode you could have possibly had. But please elaborate. Tell us more about Kobe Bufkin. Because, all right, y'all don't get this. Kobe Bufkin is a do-it-all wing forward. Like, think athletic Karis LeVert. Maybe less of a point guard feel, less of a passing feel. Maybe he can develop that at Michigan. But I think that he has the skill set, the athleticism there. His progression leading up to this point has only been on an upward trend. I mean, he started off as a kid that wasn't really ranked, wasn't really thought of, and he's consistently gotten better and better, I think. So everyone, all the hype is around Caleb Houston, and you know what? He is going to be a good NBA pro, could be a great one. But if I'm putting money on who's going to be a better NBA player, I'm putting my money on Kobe Bufkin. So when you say, like, better NBA player – what is Caleb Houston as an NBA player to you? Is he ever an all-star? Mm, borderline all-star? Is he, is he Sadiq Bay? Yeah, I think he's like Sadiq Bay. I think that's a good – but I, I don't know. Caleb Houston's way more of a knockdown shooter. 
Sadiq Bay is a great shooter. I mean, I, I, I think that's a solid comparison. Like Chris Middleton. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I, I personally, in like the few games I've seen of Houston, I don't think he can put the ball on the floor at all. He can. A little. Am I am I missing something on that? Can you're he? missing a little. He's not. Okay. I don't think he's going to be like operating as a primary scorer out of pick and rolls. But with uh-huh. Team Canada, he had to do everything off the bounce, and he did it. Like True. also, Chris Middleton, that. though he did show a little bit when he was at AM, he's like gotten a lot better yeah. as like an ISO player, scorer, ball handler. So maybe that's like the progression that he takes. But I'm betting that Kobe Buffkin will be better than a Chris Middleton type player. And that Caleb Houston won't reach that Chris Middleton ceiling. So what is Kobe Buffkin? Is he just like Jordan Poole with more higher end pedigree talent? Because Jordan Poole is killing in the league right now. He's killing in the preseason right now, yes. Killing in the league right now. Yeah, he's killing in the league. Yes, he is. He's about to take Clay Thompson's job. That's pretty big. Yeah, true. Uh, to be honest, I don't want to just throw out a player. So okay, that's fine. I to think about it more. I just want to end with this on Caleb Houston. So one of my longtime theories, obviously, like, you know, we all love a player with some swag. We all love a player with some drip, like just visually the eye test type thing. I, you know, I'm huge on that. Like, I think you can look at a guy and say whether this guy will be an all-star one day. Caleb Houston, to me, eye test alone, visually, just his headshot, not even anything else, looks like a guy who does nothing but play basketball. No, like, he's, he's he's definitely got like his his drip is like comparable and like his demeanor is like a Tim Duncan. Right. hundred percent. Like yeah. he looks like a man who would wear jorts and like just be working on form shooting in the middle of summer, like at an open house where he's supposed to be drinking like that's I love it. I'm excited to see if that actually comes true. I think he's like a Hooper's Hooper. Um, but that's, that's hard as much as I love Kobe Buffy. That's hard for me to see him outpacing that just off his face alone. That's hilarious, but like facts. <laughs> All right. Well, I love that you ended with a, a Michigan take that I can get behind. And I gave some pretty anti-Michigan takes today. So this is why it's the feng shui of the sleepers. There's balance. Um, and we did it again, cart. A big time's going to be fire this year too. That's a takeaway as well. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, we all knew like the players coming back and all the, you know, front court players in the top 10. The Big Ten is going to be hella fun this year. I'm excited to see how it's going to shake out. 100%. Me too. I will have my uh, full bullet point takeaways coming out on busting brackets at some point this week. Keep an eye out for that. Subscribe to the betting newsletter to get more from us. We'll be at Big Ten Media Day again next year. We'll probably have another Drunk Scouts, maybe another hoop chat coming at you soon if you're looking for more sleepers content. And, Card, at some point this month, we're going to actually drop news that we've been teasing for a while. I don't know when that will be, but it's coming. Stay on the lookout and also be sure to follow me at Carter Elliott underscore underscore on Twitter. And also follow me on Instagram at I am Carter Elliott. I'm going to have to change your damn handles on all the video tags. You just created 20 more minutes of work for me, man. I love you. Two underscores instead of one. Really? Come on. One underscore wasn't available garbage. All right. Goodbye, cart. All right. See you.